Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Last week we started a new series called Foreign Giveness. There's a play on words, right? Forgiveness, foreign giveness, and it's going to be actually leading up to Easter and what you learned about that set free retreat, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in the service as well. And this idea of foreign giveness really comes from the text that we find in Matthew 18 verses 21 to 22. And Peter, one of Jesus's friends, asks him this question, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? and I have to forgive him? That's a good question. That's a good question, right? As many as seven times? Like, Peter's like, seven times is a lot. Like, and you know, with Jewish tradition, seven would have been the perfect number. So like, seven should like complete it. I shouldn't have to do any more than seven. And Jesus actually says to him, he says, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times, or some different uh, interpretations say 70 times seven You know, Jesus' answer to Peter here actually really helps us see that forgiveness is not easy, but it's necessary. Forgiveness is not easy, but it's necessary. Forgiving somebody 77 times, and like Jesus wasn't just saying like a specific number that like at 78, you don't have to forgive anymore. But the whole point was like that forgiveness would be eternal, that we would live a life of forgiveness that would continue. The concept of living a life like that is quite foreign. It's, it's not very simple. If somebody has hurt you over and over and over again, I don't know about you, but my first thought and reaction is not to go, you know what? Jesus said to forgive you, so I'm just going to forgive you. You know, you could just keep hurting me, and it's, I'm just going to be okay with that. I just got to keep on forgiving. 70 times 7, whatever that number is. Nobody's that good at math, right? But my point here is that the concept of true forgiveness that Jesus displayed, it's so foreign. It's so foreign. Last week, we kind uh, of quickly looked at the definition of foreign, and let me just remind you of it. Strange and unfamiliar. Unfamiliar. Forgiveness, even though we know the term, if we're Christian, we know that this is a central theme to the Christian faith, but it could still be very foreign to us, and we want to make it familiar, and the definition is well known from long or close association. Often encountered, often experienced, and having a good knowledge of it. So the goal of this series, as we work through different types of forgiveness, is that we are to make forgiveness familiar rather than foreign. Let's make forgiveness familiar rather than foreign. Last week, we started this series asking the question, how do we give forgiveness to others? How do we actually extend forgiveness to the past hurts in our life. And we looked at kind of three areas, and there's more than this, but we kind of narrowed it down to three areas. And that first area was how do we forgive past hurts from friends or family, like the people that know us best, the people that are the closest to us? How do we forgive those people? Because I don't know about you, I find it much harder to forgive somebody that's really close to me than somebody that I'm probably not going to see for a very long time. It's much harder to forgive that person that's close. We learned a few things. Number one, forgiving others especially those close friends and families, it actually doesn't release them from their sins. Like saying, I forgive you for what you've done doesn't make it okay. It doesn't mean like, oh, it's not a big deal anymore. Don't do that again. Like it's, it's not that. 
Forgiving others does not release them from their sins. Forgiving them releases you from their sins. Forgiveness has much more to do with you than it has to do with them. It does. It does. We learned about how forgiveness from a past hurt will actually transform you into a victor with a future rather than stay a victim with a past. Unforgiveness will keep you in the past. And you know better than anybody how hard that's been for you. So forgiveness, it actually is the gateway to your future. We also learn how forgiveness is more than letting go. Like the, the term forgiveness of like, you know, just forgive and forget. No big deal. We'll move on, bro. High five. Like that's, that's not it. Forgiveness is so much deeper than that. Forgiveness is actually choosing to step out of the shadow of pain. So if you've lived in the shadow of pain, forgiveness will actually allow you to step out of that. If you felt trapped in that kind of pain, that past hurt, you felt bonded to that, like you've been chained to it for whatever the reason. And there's some serious reasons that people have shared with me over the weeks since we talked about this. Forgiveness is actually good for you. It allows you to step out of that shadow of pain that you felt trapped in. Secondly, we talked about church and leadership. I don't know, maybe, maybe you've had a moment where the church, as in like us, we've let each other down. Maybe you've had a leader or an authoritative figure in your life. Could be a pastor or a teacher or a guidance counselor or, or somebody that's missed the mark, that's let you down. That can be really difficult to forgive somebody in an authoritative position because they, they agree to live to a higher standard. And then when they miss that standard, it stings in a different kind of way. And usually unforgiveness in this area will cause us to drift away from the church will cause us to drift away from God, and that's what the enemy wants. But that is the most appropriate time for you to press into the Lord. When you don't want to, when the church and its leaders have let you down, you press into God. Don't check out. Press in. Why? Because you are not called to put your faith in any man but Jesus. He's the only one. Please, I'm begging you, don't put your faith in me. I am fickle, and I'm letting you know ahead of time that I will fail you at some part. As much as I'm going to try my best, and I don't want to. I'm not perfect, but Jesus is the faithful one. He's perfect. We don't put our faith in anybody but Jesus. Amen? Good. Okay. <laughs> Finally, we talked about, and this, this was a difficult one for a lot of people, as it was for me. We talked about how do we extend forgiveness to God when we feel like God's hurt us. Now, logically, we don't forgive God, right? Because that would imply that he would be a sinner and have done something wrong, but he's not. So he doesn't actually need forgiveness. So we don't have to extend it to him since he's perfect and holy. But it doesn't mean that when he chooses to do or not do something in our life, that it's painful. It can be painful. We don't always understand why God does or doesn't do something. And that can cause us to hurt. We looked at the story of Hannah and how it says that in her pain, she cried out in anguish to the Lord. What does that mean? It means that we have permission scripturally to be real with God. It doesn't mean that we curse God. It doesn't mean anything like that. But it means that God is bigger than what you're going through. That doesn't mean that I'm trying to minimize what you've been through or what you're going through. But God loves you so much that he's got a special peace, a special blessing for those that grieve, for those that are mourning for those that are in a deep, deep pain and hurt. You can be honest and real with the Lord. He cares about you that much. And one of the action steps that Hannah and her family teaches us is that when she fell asleep after crying, 
her and her family woke up the next morning and not just out of like tradition, not just out of trying to be, you know, um, somebody that's, that continues to do the same thing all the time, but like they chose to get up and worship the Lord once more. I'm not sure if Hannah really felt like she wanted to. I don't know if her emotions, especially after the night of probably crying till the late hours in the night, I don't know if her emotions really felt like what her priority was there. But she chose together to worship the Lord once more. Even in our pain and suffering, even when we don't understand why God does or doesn't do something, we're called to worship Him. Today we're going to look at another part of forgiveness. And we know that it's powerful. We know that forgiveness, though necessary, can be very difficult. And one of the most difficult people to forgive is you. One of the most difficult people in your life to forgive is going to be you. So today we're asking this question, how can I forgive myself? If you only knew what I've done, if you only knew how many times I've repeated the same thing over and over and over, how could I possibly forgive myself? We're asking that question. C.S. Lewis, who is just a genius, read his books. (laughs) He says this, I think that if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it is almost like setting up ourselves as a higher tribunal than him. If we believe that we're not worthy of forgiving ourselves, what we're saying is our authority is higher than God's. Thank you, C.S., (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's a hard pill to swallow this morning. And I understand that as we look to this, it might feel like we're opening up a can of worms. But last week, what I had mentioned is at Bethel Church, we're going to talk about the things that matter because they matter. And forgiving ourselves really matters. We're going to look to the Word of God this morning that teaches us how to forgive ourselves. But before we do, would you just bow your heads and let's take a moment and pray together. God, we know that you have displayed the purpose, power, and importance of forgiveness. As we look to your word, Lord, I hope that you would help us and teach us what it means to forgive ourselves. Whatever we've walked in here with, whatever our story is, whatever our baggage is, God, you forgive us, so help us forgive us. You've extended that forgiveness to us, so as we look in the mirror, we can say that I forgive me. Whatever the pain is, whatever the hurt is that we've caused and what we're hanging on to. God, would you help us practice forgiveness, self-forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me ask you this question. Have you ever done something that you completely regretted? Anybody? Anybody willing to be honest this morning? You're like, hey, I, uh, I did this one thing. Thing one time, I said this thing to my wife, and uh, I slept on the couch. <laughs> I, uh, I did this one thing to my parents, and uh, they basically locked me in my room for a week. Uh, whatever it might be that you're like, you can't do that? Like, no, you can't do that. But there was a few moments. I remember uh, when I was a, a really, really young kid, I tested my parents. Any students here, you just love to test mom and dad. You're like, be honest, it's okay. It's okay. They're like, I'm not putting my hand up. <laughs> that's, that's a test right there. I know, I almost gotcha. I remember when I was a kid, I, uh, I would test my parents' patience. 
And uh, there's probably a little left over that, Maddie, don't you think? <laughs> I test my wife's patience a little bit. I'm working on it. Okay, I'm working on it. But uh, we don't necessarily do this anymore. But did anybody here get the belt? Remember those days? Yeah, Rick, I, I can tell. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> did anybody get the spoon? Yeah, the big wooden spoon. In our house, we had this big, like it was six feet long, this huge spoon. And it had like this painting on it. It said something in Italian like, don't just disrespect me or I will beat you. I, but I don't know if it actually said that. Um, but my point is we all had these moments where we did something and then when that spoon came off the wall, when dad took out the belt and with the whoosh, like Indiana Jones, you're like, oh man, oh man, why did I do that? I never got the belt or the spoon, though I really should have. I really should have. I got the soap. Anybody got the soap before? Yeah, yeah. So I don't mean like they would pump some like you know, Bath and Body Works. I mean like the used Irish spring soap that was in the bathtub was going in your mouth. Like, ugh. So, me being my proud self, I don't remember what I said, but it was deserving of getting the soap in the mouth for 10 seconds. What do I do? I go, you know what, mom? I'm going to show you. You think that this is hard? Bite it. Chew it. Didn't have to brush my teeth for a month. No, just kidding, just kidding. I already regretted having to get the soap, and moments after biting that soap and chewing it up, I regretted it even more. We've all done something where we've regretted it, right? I remember when I was 15 years old, I went to a conference called uh, Overflow Youth Conference, which our students are going to. A couple months, registration is live. You need to go. It's the best thing ever if you are from grade 8 to 12. I remember for the very first time having this powerful, transformative encounter with the Lord. On the Friday night, I had become a Christian, and I was just like on top of the world. It felt like the weight that I carried of my past hurts where I couldn't forgive myself, it just felt like God took that off my shoulders, and we traded yokes. Not that we kind of say that, but his word says that his burden and his yoke is light and it's easy. And I really felt that I knew in that moment that God had made me a new creation. Now, I remember coming home after that weekend, and a few days have passed. And it didn't take long before what felt like my past self, my old creation, caught up with my new creation. It felt like, oh, I thought I was completely free from this, and I had forgiven myself. And then I started to feel like I was walking backwards and kind of getting into the stuff that I used to before I went on this weekend. And, and one of the things I really struggled with when I was younger was I was just a potty mouth. Like, it was bad. I said every bad word, and I'm not going to say them today, because that would be, like, we'd get a lot of YouTube hits and views, but uh, we don't want to do that. And I remember, and I, I promise you, I'm not saying this as a joke, but, like, I completely regret the things that I had said to my parents. Like, so deeply regret them. I felt so much shame. And I remember, you know, getting in an argument with my parents who didn't see eye to eye very often, and and I was learning how to follow the command of love your mother and father. And I struggled with that one because we didn't see eye to eye and we had butt heads. And I would say all the nasty things that I knew how to say to my parents. And I remember one time after fighting, my mom looked at me. This is about a week after overflow. And she said this question, which at first I thought was her like taunting me of like, oh. but really what it was, was she was honestly asking, how can you be a Christian and say that? And she wasn't even trying to just personalize, like, how could you say that to me? I'm your mother, even though that was true. She was just saying, like, how can you, like, say that you believe this and you do this and you've repeated this and your life has been changed, but then you do something like that? 
you say something like that, that stuck with me for years. My mom's only true example of Jesus would be me. Oh, that weight felt heavy to carry. I remember for a long time, I struggled to forgive myself for the things that I did and I would have said that were disrespectful to my family. Forgiving ourselves can be a very foreign concept. And perhaps you're listening today in person or online, and you feel like this message before you even dug into it. You understand that feeling. You felt trapped for years because you want to make things right. You want to do the right thing. You want to be able to live in freedom. But if you only knew what I did, if you only knew the trouble I've caused, if you only know the pain that I've made people walk through, perhaps you've said some hurtful things to people that did not deserve it. You've hurt somebody very deeply. Perhaps you were financially irresponsible and now your choices actually have affected the most important people around you and they suffer for it. Perhaps there is a leader or as a leader in somebody's life, you've abused your position and power and influence and taken advantage of somebody. Maybe you have done your best to provide for those that you've been called to provide for and you've been working hard and you work as many hours overtime as you can because you want your kids to play hockey and you want the best for them, but you're never really home. And so the moment that they grow up and graduate, that relationship is easy to dismantle because it never really existed there to begin with. There are so many reasons why forgiving ourselves is so difficult and painfully hard. The same way that we are forgiven by God and therefore must extend forgiveness to others, we also need to learn how to forgive ourselves. So today I want to talk about three kind of steps. And I don't I don't preach this this morning as like, if you just follow step one, then step two, then step three, by Thursday, you know, you could talk about it in your small group, you should be good to go. I don't mean it in that kind of sense. I know that this is a process. Forgiveness can be a process and it could take time. But my hope today is we talk about three different kind of steps that hopefully you can even take just a little bit of, that it would be encouraging to you, that it would be transformative to you, and to know that you actually can forgive yourself and God provides a way for us to do that. If you feel like this, if you carry that weight of not being able to forgive yourself, the first thing we have to realize is that we need what's called a godly sorrow. We need to embrace a godly sorrow. And sorrow versus shame and guilt are two different things. Sorrow versus shame, it's two different things. In the Gospel of Luke, it actually talks about how Jesus knew in a short amount of time, he was headed to the cross to be crucified. And so his last meal with his friends, we know it as the Last Supper, always wanted to imagine what they were eating. Like I, I think about like when you're on death row, it's like you get like a really nice meal or something. I'm like, I don't, think that's the, I don't think that's the way it happened there. But his last meal that he's sharing with his friends, whatever he's about to say must be really vital and important. And he shares them with them some pretty cold hard truth and specifically Jesus shares with Peter. Peter is like one of his like main guys. Like there was the 12 and like there was the three. Like Peter was like on the inner inner circle. They were like best buds. And Jesus says, yeah, I'm about to go be crucified. Um, You're going to totally betray me for a couple, you know, silver coins. But Peter, you're going to deny me in front of my face three times. Three times. And then 
a rooster's going to crow. And Peter's like, uh, Lord, I would go to prison with you. Lord, like, I would die for you. Like, Peter's like, no, not me, God. Like, I'm your man. I'm your, I'm, I'm your right-hand man. I'm going to be there for you. I would die with you. Only a few verses later in chapter 22, we read this. They arrested him and led him to the high priest's home, talking about Jesus. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. There's this funny meme that somebody made where it's like, Back in the day with all the pews, um, you know, there was always like a little kid or a little girl or something that would sit in front of you, but she would kind of like just peek over the pew like this, like the whole service and just kind of stare at you. Has anybody experienced that or just me? You know what I'm talking about? Like when we have kids come and join us and they sit in for the service and then they kind of just stare at you the whole time. It's really creepy. And that's what I can imagine Peter felt like. He's like, uh, and this, this girl would have been a young servant girl. And so he's like, uh, this is really awkward. Something's about to go down. And she finally says, this man was one of Jesus' followers. Peter denies it. He says, woman, he said, I don't know him. I do not even know him. Some time goes by, and after a while, someone else looked at him and said, no, 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 you must be one of them. He says, no, I'm not. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them, because he's a Galilean too. But Peter said, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Now, that's kind of like what we normally think is like the big climax part of this story. But I actually personally think it's the next line. And then it says, after the rooster crowed, at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. There was a sorrow in Peter's heart. He's come to the conclusion and realized what he just did was wrong. He messed up. He abandoned his friend. When he could have stooken up for him, he would have went to prison with him. He would have died for with him. Instead, he denied him, and there's this deep sorrow. When we make a mistake, when we hurt another person, causes them pain, we come across this fork in the road. On the road, there's one side that says the pathway of sorrow, and on the other side, there's a pathway of shame or guilt. One of these is actually from God. And the other one is from the enemy. I think we're going to learn in Scripture for a moment that sorrow actually is a gift from God. And maybe you've heard that before. It's like, God doesn't want you to feel, you know, sorrowful. He doesn't want you to feel bad. Like, he's forgiven you. It's okay. Move on. But actually, there is a godly biblical sorrow that we're going to take a moment and learn about. He doesn't work through shame, but he can heal and work through sorrow. Paul talks about this exact thing in the letter written to the Corinthian church, the second letter. So imagine you've read the whole first letter uh, and you're part of that church and like you're kind of upset because 
what Paul wrote about was like really difficult. And the Corinthian church, as amazing as they were, they were very problematic. <laughs> okay, so he has to write another letter to them. And this is what he says in chapter 7, verses 8 to 10. Paul says, I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first. For I know it was painful to you for a little while, but now I'm glad I sent it. Not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. And here's the key verse I want you to hear this morning. It was the kind of sorrow that God wants his people to have. God wants you to have sorrow. What? Let's keep reading. So you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us, us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance and results in spiritual death. The kind of sorrow, after doing something that you, you completely regret, you go, why did I do that again? When you feel this deep sorrow, it should lead you to repentance. Godly sorrow actually causes us to feel bad for what we did. That's a good thing. When we mess up, we shouldn't so easily just move on. There is something powerful about owning it and feeling bad about it, a godly sorrow. But it doesn't end there. Godly sorrow actually propels us towards repentance, which where the Holy Spirit, when we repent, will help us change our ways. And the goal is to not do that again by the Spirit's help. But shame does something different than godly sorrow. Shame is a tactic from the enemy that doesn't push you towards repentance. It actually pushes you to believe you are what you do. Shame says when you messed up, it's not that you just made that mistake. You are that mistake. That's what shame does. God does not work in shame. He can work in sorrow, which leads to repentance, which can lead to forgiveness and freedom. But shame, the enemy doesn't say what you did was bad. The enemy says you are bad. Shame attaches your actions to your humanity. But in Christ, we are no longer bound to our sin nature. Instead, we're forgiven by God through Christ. We're free from the curse of sin and we're given this new nature. Godly sorrow guides us to repentance while shame bounds us in unforgiveness. Godly sorrow is a good thing. It's good for us. Paul writes about it. Godly sorrow guides us to repentance while shame bounds us in forgiveness. The first step, I believe, that the Bible shows us of how to walk through this problem of forgiving ourselves is to deeply feel sorrowful for our actions, to own it and go, I can't believe I did that. I messed up. And in other words, saying what you know you did was wrong. Deep sorrow, godly sorrow, but it doesn't leave us there. It leads us to repentance. Godly sorrow, you can also kind of call it conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that conviction is what leads us to repentance. And this is what I mean by God was connecting all the dots today with some of the words that were shared and what I was preaching about. The enemy actually wants to confuse you. He wants to take the truth of God's word and twist it so that you don't become more like Jesus. So that you become more like your sin. That's what he wants to do. He wants you to run from God, not be changed by God. One of the things that I frequently see happen is when people feel like they can't forgive themselves, they mistake conviction for condemnation. 
There's a, there's a big mistake between those two things, though they sound similar. Godly sorrow, it is conviction. Conviction happens when our thoughts, words, or actions go against our new nature that Christ has actually given us. That's when conviction pops in. Because if you don't think sin is sin, and you don't believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you're not going to feel convicted. You're going to feel totally okay. But the moment that you say, I'm going to offer my life to you, Lord, things start to change. Your mind and your heart and your soul becomes aware of the way that God doesn't want you to live. And he says, I've given you a new creation. I've given you a new nature. You don't have to be bound to that sin nature. This kind of conviction, though the word conviction can be scary because we think about like a convict getting sent to prison. That's not what this is about. Conviction is good for you. It's really good. It's really, really good for you. Conviction, I actually think, is the only thing that will lead you to repentance. Why would you turn away from something that you don't think is actually wrong? When God makes you aware of sin and you feel this godly sorrow and you own it and you feel convicted from the Holy Spirit, that is the first step of repentance. It's the only thing that will lead you there. And through repentance actually comes transformation. When we repent and are being transformed by Christ through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we move towards forgiving ourselves. Understand the weight of your sin. Feel a godly sorrow. Embrace the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Choose to repent. These are the first few steps in learning to forgive ourselves. Well, Pastor Carlo, what about in the case where, you know, I keep doing the things I don't want to do. Like years ago, I did it the first time and I felt that godly sorrow and I repented and then only moments later, I did it again. And it's been years that I've been doing the same thing over and over and over again. I continue to hurt the people that I love and I don't want to. I love them. I want the best for them, but I just don't know what to do. I would like to forgive myself, but I constantly messed up too many times. Well, I love God's word because he speaks about this very exact thing through Paul in the book of Romans chapter 7. Paul explains the struggle of him wanting to do the right thing, but always does the wrong thing. He wants to live life according to the spirit, but too often does he fall back into the temptation of the flesh. He says this in Romans 7, 24 to 25. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from the life that is dominated by sin and death? I like to take a pause here. And then he says, thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Jesus Christ, our Lord. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are given a new nature. When we follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit convicts us when our new nature comes into conflict with our old sin nature. And when we choose to repent, we walk in our new nature. When we choose to repent, we walk in our new nature. This next part, it, it fits into a specific kind of scenario, but it's very true. When we ignore the conviction of the Holy Spirit, maybe not on purpose, 
but over time we feel like we're not experiencing the Spirit's conviction. And maybe you don't feel actually convicted of the sin or the wrongdoings because you've never gotten caught in a worldly kind of way. It's really easy to keep doing the wrong thing when nobody knows except you because you become accustomed to doing the wrong thing and getting away with that. It's really easy. I'm putting myself in that boat right now too. It's very difficult. And when we're not getting caught, when our sin doesn't come to light in those moments, it's really easy to put conviction up on the shelf because it feels like, ah, it's actually not a big deal. I actually got away with that? Oh, okay. Next time comes around. I remember I got away with this last time. Okay, I could probably continue to get away. And maybe for weeks, months, or years, you can keep getting away with things and conviction shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. Becomes less evident in our life in a worldly kind of conviction and even spiritual conviction. There's a part in Romans where Paul actually talks about there does come a point where actually God will just give you over to your sin, which doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. doesn't mean that he doesn't want the best for you. doesn't mean that he doesn't care for you. But he doesn't force you to do anything. In the very beginning, we see that true love was freedom. God gives creation a choice to follow him or not. He doesn't force them to. That truth that started at the beginning still exists for you today. God wants the best for you. He's got a plan for you. He's given you a pathway to follow. His Holy Spirit will help you. He came down to save you, but he will not force you. He will not force you. He will not pick up your hand and make you magically do something. He will not force you to speak in tongues. He won't do any of that kind of stuff. He offers you an invitation. He helps lead you along the way, but he doesn't force you. And if you choose, whether you mean to or not, over time to ignore the Holy Spirit's conviction, you will, and he will allow you to do that. Maybe as we talk about this today, you feel like you haven't heard or felt the Spirit's conviction in a long time. You know what you've done wrong or what you continue to do wrong, but it's like, yeah, like I've just been able to live life and it feels like it's not that big of a deal. I think learning to forgive ourselves is a really big deal. I think it's a really big deal. So my prayer today is that we would choose to honestly repent. And repentance is really simple. It means to turn and walk the other way. Literally means like 180 turn. Rep actually means to turn. And pent actually kind of means like penthouse, like to go to a higher place, to turn away and to go to something better. Repentance, to turn away. Godly sorrow, it leads to conviction. Conviction leads to repentance. And lastly today, I want to share with you that repentance is what leads to freedom. This probably is one of the most difficult parts of forgiving yourself. Because I know I have personally asked the question, how could I forgive myself if the person I hurt can't forgive me? How do I forgive myself if my mom can't forgive me? Which she forgave me, by the way. But how do I do that when they can't even do that? I don't deserve that. If they don't think I deserve it, why would I think I deserve it? This view of forgiveness is so common 
amongst those who can't forgive themselves. When, he, when we haven't been forgiven by those we have hurt, it tends, us, tends to leave us believing that we're not worthy of forgiving ourselves. So let me ask you this question. If you were here last week, and if you weren't, you could catch up with the message online. We talked about past hurts and how God calls us to forgive others for past hurts. And perhaps you deeply felt the powerful and necessary conviction of the Holy Spirit through his word that we started off this sermon series from Matthew 18, where Jesus tells Peter, forgive, forgive, continue to forgive. How is that that only applies outwardly, but not inwardly? Why is it that it only counts to forgive other people, but it wouldn't count to forgive ourselves? When someone hurts us and they repent, we forgive them. When we hurt others and repent, the same principle applies. We must come to a place where we learn to forgive ourselves. Repentance for our sin and forgiving ourselves does not mean that you magically become okay with your actions, your words, or what you've done. That's not how it works. Repentance and forgiving yourself does not make it okay. It doesn't mean, okay, you know how I hurt you. It's not a big deal anymore. I've forgiven myself. You can forgive me too. Like, that's ridiculous. That's not how it works. Just in the same way where you extend forgiveness to somebody that's hurt you doesn't make their actions, words, or the way they've treated you okay. So you forgiving yourself doesn't do that towards them. But the enemy wants you to believe that you're not worthy of forgiving yourself. Because unforgiveness towards yourself will bind you and prohibit you from living the full life that God has for you. If you don't come to a place, and remember at the beginning, I said that this is a process. This is a process. It takes time. It takes vulnerability before the Lord and people close to you to pray with you. It takes vulnerability between you and the other person that have had this conflict. But unforgiveness towards yourself will leave you in a place where you're bound where you prohibit from walking in your future. I actually think like those giant like master locks, like we have this like giant lock on the trailer. And as we were um, uh, getting some of cases for the trailer this week, I, I see this giant lock and it's like kind of frozen from the weather. And I go, this is like a great example of what it feels like to not forgive yourself. You have this massive lock on your life and it will prohibit you from leaning into the things that God has for your future. You haven't screwed up that much that God's like, you are on your own. Like, my forgiveness tank is full, but you have abused it. And now, you're like, you, you just got to, good luck. That's not, that's not our God. That's not what he does. So much so, he loves us that he provides a way where we can learn to forgive ourselves. He has a full life for you. But that full life doesn't happen when there's unforgiveness towards yourself. So maybe you've been asking this question. Okay, repentance leads to freedom. What am I freeing myself from? Well, a few moments ago, we read Paul, Romans 7. And just in the next chapter at the beginning in Romans 8, he says this. It's so key. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is the law of the Spirit that gives life, full life, rather than the law of sin and death. What does this mean? It means that our understanding of forgiveness, 
even towards ourself, only can be justified through Jesus Christ. If you cannot forgive yourself, and that other person has not forgiven you, then perhaps your understanding today of forgiveness is based on something or somebody else than Jesus. If we choose and we just cannot be convinced that I'm, I can forgive myself, then the truth is that our understanding of forgiveness is based on somebody or something else than Jesus. Forgiving ourselves must be based on the forgiveness that Jesus provided. It's the only way it makes sense. Because if it's not based on Jesus, of course I'm not worthy of forgiveness. Of course, how could I forgive myself if Jesus doesn't play a part in this? But he does. In the announcement video, you heard a short invite from Pastors Chad and Melissa about an in-house retreat we're hosting here later in April called Set Free. And so if you've taken the Hearing God seminar either last year in 2022 or at the beginning of this year in 23, this is for you. This is your next step. I would encourage you to look it up on our website on the events page and, and register for it too. Set Free walks you through the many areas in life where you possibly felt bound and restricted and you felt like the enemy's put a stronghold on your life. The whole weekend's purpose is to teach you to live in the Spirit's life of freedom. Trent, I don't know if you're... Do you mind just hopping up on the keys just for a moment? As we conclude today, I want us to know that forgiveness... It's the central, central message of the Christian faith that God loves us so much and he's forgiven us. He's given us a way to live. Forgiveness was perfectly displayed by Jesus, perfectly. Forgiveness is a requirement for those that follow him. But even though we know all that, it doesn't make forgiveness simple nor easy Forgiveness requires a vulnerability towards others, the Lord, and ultimately yourself. Learning to forgive does not come naturally. And if it does, there's a pride issue there. Yeah, I messed up, but whatever. <laughs> no big deal. No, no, no. That, like, who does that? And if you do, like, look in the mirror. <laughs> it's not good. It doesn't come naturally. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily just happen quickly or overnight. But God loves us so much that he's provided a way for us. And in his word, we discover a pathway on how to forgive ourselves. The first is to embrace a godly sorrow, to understand our wrongdoings and own it, not make excuses, not come up with reasons why or why not, but to embrace a godly sorrow, to know what we have done is not okay and it's wrong. Are we truly sorrowful for what we've done or do we easily brush it off like it's no big deal because the busyness of life makes you not think about it? Secondly, do we feel the Spirit's conviction or have we quenched His voice? When was the last time you felt like God was convicting you? It's really funny because the idea of like becoming a Christian would seem like you get less and less convicted by things, but it's actually the other way around. That's his kingdom upside down. What actually happens is that you become aware of more sin in your life. And that's not to belittle you or beat you up, but that's actually the process in which God 
helps you become more like him? Do you feel the Spirit's conviction or have you quenched his voice today? And lastly, if you felt the Spirit of God and his conviction, if he's uh, revealed that to you, have you chosen to repent? Have you chosen to repent, turn away from that and walk to better things in righteousness? I want to take a moment today and pray for you and then we're going to conclude the service. Maybe you feel like you fit into one of these three categories or, or, or perhaps you don't, and that's okay. But firstly, I'd like to take a moment and pray for the people who feel overwhelmed by shame and guilt instead of godly sorrow. So just with every head bowed, every eye closed, if forgiving yourself is a very difficult thing and you've just felt so overwhelmed by shame and guilt for your thoughts, your words, your actions, all of the above. Would you be vulnerable this morning? Would you just lift up a hand? I just want to pray for you. Thank you. God, I thank you for my friends today. God, thank you that you love them despite the hardships they've gone through and even caused. You love them. You've given them a new nature. They are a new creation in Christ Jesus. God, thank you for them. Thank you for their vulnerability and their realness today. God, I pray the ways that the enemy has tricked them into believing to embrace shame and guilt as if that leads to something good would be broken off right now in the name of Jesus but instead that there would be a biblical godly sorrow where they know the pain, they realize what they've done, but God, it would truly lead them to conviction and repentance and then freedom, being able to forgive themselves. Jesus, I ask in your name that shame would transform into sorrow this morning. No longer would they be bound by the grips and chains of shame and guilt. Jesus name secondly I want to pray for those that feel like this might be a tough one you've just ignored the spirit's conviction for a long time or short time and you feel like you haven't actually heard from God in this specific area because you've just closed that area off and today you've honorably want to say God I want to hear from you again I want to be transformed by you again if that's you this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to pray for you. So would you just lift up your hand and then you can put it right back down. If you just feel this morning, thank you, thank you, that you just want, you just want a true sense of the Holy Spirit's conviction. Thank you. Jesus, I thank you for my friends that are willing to be vulnerable in this moment that say, God, I've tuned you out because it's felt easier to deal with the pain than to deal with you. But God, your grace is sufficient. It's more than enough. Your mercies are new every morning. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would bless us with the gift of spirit conviction that leads us to transformation. Spirit of God, help us walk through conviction. God, you don't beat us up or belittle us. But your word says through Christ Jesus that we are free from the grips of sin 
that we're called to walk in a new way and leave behind the old way. So God, for those this morning that need a fresh touch from you, that want to hear your voice again, I pray today and this week, God, that you would transform them from the inside out. In Jesus' name. The last group of people I want to pray for quickly is those who feel a, a godly sorrow and and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and, and you want to repent. And, and maybe maybe this would be the first time you're choosing to repent for your sin. Or, or secondly, um, maybe you have repented over and over and over again and you don't understand why doing this again is going to make a difference. Well, let's go back to Jesus' words. If your brother comes to you and repents, forgive him. If you have already been in this moment and you've chosen to repent and you were real, you were honest, but you you felt like you went back into your old sin nature. You, you messed up again. You did it again. Maybe you repented five, six, seven, maybe a hundred times. Remember Jesus' words? If you repent, forgive. That's just as true for your friends and family and church leaders as it is for yourself. If you want to learn how to walk in forgiving yourself, for your past hurts that you've caused, it's, it's, it starts with repentance. So if you're here this morning, again, last time with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you want, if you want to take a moment and you just want to repent, I just want to pray for you. So you just put your hand up real quick and put it right back down if you feel like, Lord, there's something I need to repent of. Thank you. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else feel like, I just, I gotta repent. I have to repent again. I don't feel it. I don't necessarily understand it. I don't even know if I fully believe it. But I'm choosing to trust your word, Lord. And I'm choosing to follow your guidance and wisdom of repentance. So Jesus, I thank you for my friends this morning who are honestly before you, God, saying, I repent. Maybe just under your breath or or, or in your head, would you just say, God, I repent for what I've done. I repent for what I've said. I repent for my actions that have caused others harm or pain. God, I pray that as authentic repentance starts in this place and continues, God, that there would be a revelation of freedom that people would walk in freedom, they would understand in this moment how to forgive themselves. Jesus, thank you for that freedom that you provide. God, thank you that when we come to you with our, our wounds and our scars and our hurts and our struggles and our pain, and we repent of them, God, you are there to embrace us like the prodigal son with open arms. Jesus, I pray that in the same way you've been teaching us to extend forgiveness to others, that this morning would be a transformative turning point in my friends' lives where they would take the first step of learning to forgive themselves, whatever that may be for them. And Jesus, thank you that it's not limited to 30 minutes on a Sunday, but God, you're with us each and every moment. So help us throughout the week, Lord, to continue to process this, to walk through forgiveness. May it become familiar rather than foreign. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast. 
hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 